my faith gives me the perspective that when I'm in a situation, when I'm in a room, um, I see everybody. everybody's my brothers and sisters. We're all God's children. We're all equaled and loved in his eyes. Going into the situations with the mindset help me, helps me to not get emotional. And even though their acts may not be loved by God, they are. Hey, friends, welcome to our special edition podcast called Faith at Work. I'm your host, Jen Kelly, joined by my friend and fellow campus pastor, Don Hay. We get the joy of bringing you conversations that are all about integrating faith and work and why every job matters. We're interviewing Christ followers from a variety of work backgrounds to help stir our imaginations, to give us new insights and practical ways to think about how we live out our faith at work. Uh, Before Don introduces our guest, we wanted to take a moment to highlight another initiative that we are incorporating to our Faith at Work theme. These are called vocational gatherings. At these 90-minute events, you'll enjoy a good dinner. You'll take in a specialized presentation regarding your vocation. You get the opportunity to meet and converse with other people from our church who have similar interests and experiences in your specific field. You can go to cclife.org backslash faith at work and find a vocational gathering near you. We have a special business owner in science one happening on April 22nd. All right, Don, you get the joy and privilege of getting to introduce our guest today. I do. I do. I'm very excited. Uh, this is uh, a friend uh, from the Huntley campus, which we're excited about. Um, and as I've kind of gone through the podcast episodes, uh, I've loved the diversity of roles that we've been able to dig into during uh, this Faith at Work podcast. And it's such a variety, so fascinating. Uh, today's no exception as we talk with someone with a career in local law enforcement. Uh, John graduated from Northwestern University School of Police, Staff, and Command. He's in his 26th year. Uh, he has served as a SWAT team operator, an undercover officer, crime prevention, field training supervisor, negotiator, police academy supervisor, and a variety of other roles. Uh, I, I, I had a lot to go through in the variety of things that John has done. Uh, he currently works as a police sergeant, and he's serving as the watch commander at a local police department. All of that is very important. Uh, probably the most important thing is that he attends the Huntley campus Aww. with his uh, with his <laughs> wife and children. Uh, so, John, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, John, tell us a little bit about your connection with the Huntley campus and how you got connected with Christ Community Church. We were searching for a Bible-based church, and the lockdowns happened, and we started searching online, and we found Christ Community Church, and we felt connected with uh, Christ Community Church. Uh, we were watching during the lockdowns, and when the, the church down the street reopened, it was Christ Community Church, and we were so excited because church has never been that close for us. That's great. Oh, that's awesome. I love that because all of our online people who are watching and connecting with us yeah. now, yeah. yeah, we probably have a campus near you, so... Yeah, come visit us. All right, before we get into the the heavy questions, because there's a lot, you got a lot on your resume here, John. It's it's quite spectacular. Uh, we wanted to start our time with just a little bit of an icebreaker question, though, for some fun. So, inquiring minds want to know: Have you ever gotten a traffic ticket, and and if so, why? What happened? 
extra yeah. points if you were able to get out of it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go first um, because I think I think Jen's story is probably the climax of of the traffic ticket saga. Uh, so for me, uh, my my first and only traffic ticket because I've only gotten one happened when I was a sophomore in college and I was driving with some friends uh, up to Minnesota, Minnesota. And uh, I went through a construction zone speed trap. I was unjustly accused while guilty at the same time. <laughs> That's okay. All uh, right. And I got it. And I got a ticket and I did not get out of it. Um, <laughs> I was not happy about it. And it was in Minnesota and I was a student at Wheaton at the time. So I had to oh, go like no. cross state to get it done. And I, I was, I wasn't happy, but that's the only ticket I've ever gotten in my entire life, which You've is a big only deal. Had, had one? One ticket my entire life. Oh my goodness. My wife, on the other hand, but that's another podcast. Okay. <laughs> How about John. you, John? Uh, yes, too many speeding tickets. Too many? Yes. What's way, too many? Way too many. Let's say maybe five okay. speeding tickets. That's less than Jen. And I didn't get out of any of them. So then I decided if I can't beat them, join them. <laughs> I went to my interview after that, and they asked me why I wanted to be a police officer. And I said, yeah, because I want to help people. But I like playing cops and robbers, too. They <laughs> chuckled, and I got hired. Nice. <laughs> I love that. Oh. How about you, Jen? <laughs> any, uh, any traffic incidents in your past? <laughs> this whole conversation, almost Sergeant John, makes me a little uncomfortable with my relationship with law enforcement in my past um i have had lots of speeding tickets i don't know the number i have gotten out of a couple um what does it mean if you can no longer keep track of how many speeding tickets you've got <laughs> well, it depends gotten? on what state you're in because so many points like i've had an arizona driver's license i've had a colorado driver's license i've had a north carolina driver's license i've had a california driver's license so what you're saying is you've moved because in each state you have exceeded the allotment of traffic tickets now everyone knows i don't like to drive so i'm just really a terrible driver it might not be speeding tickets but it's just what are you doing ma'am <laughs> You need to get off the road. <laughs> we should probably move on. All right. It's probably. All right. So, John, uh, before, uh, again, before we get into some of the other questions, uh, we've actually interviewed a judge and a coroner. So it's really exciting to have you here with us today, an honor and a privilege. Um, but your job title as uh, anything in law enforcement can probably bring up to mind our listeners, depending on what they've watched in Hollywood movies, TV shows, a certain idea of what you do. So just give us a breakdown of your job. What is it that you do from a day-to-day basis? Um, and tell us a little bit more about that. Well, we report to the station. Okay. We have our roll call. And then we, our first priority is to respond to 911 calls. Then we respond to regular calls for service. When we're not doing that, we patrol the neighborhoods, the industrial parks, and uh, if we see some type of violation, then we handle it. If we see somebody that's that's hurt, we handle that. We get the proper people out there. Uh, if we need to, we arrest people and then, then go in front of the judge and need the attorneys. And um, the rest of it is basically typing reports and a lot of paperwork, not like what you see in the media. Okay. Okay. How how much, just curiosity, would you say patrol work out there protecting the community and then paperwork that you spend behind the desk? Paperwork is at least 50% of the wow. time. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I would not have known. I would Mm-mm. have not have guessed that at all. So, 
Did they tell you that when you when you wanted to get into law enforcement? Did you know that? No. Okay. When you see a police police car pull over to the side of the road, that is their mobile office. So a lot of the times they are parked there doing paperwork, not running radar or looking for you. Really? They might be looking for Jen. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. That is. That's why I would have not. I would have not known that. No. Well, let me um, let me sort of just just start out. Uh, with this question um, about law and order. Uh, as you live daily uh, in the role of administering justice, so 50% of what you do is writing paperwork about what you've been doing, but um, as you think about administering justice, how does your faith inform the way that you approach your work? Uh, how you investigate, defend victims, go after criminals? What What difference does your faith make within that context of all these variety of things that you work with? My faith gives me the perspective that when I'm in a situation, when I'm in a room, um, I see everybody Everybody is my brothers and sisters. We're all God's children. Mm. We're all equaled and loved in his eyes. Going into the situations with the mindset help me, helps me to not get emotional. And even though their acts may not be loved by God, they are. Hmm. Uh, I get called as a participant in an unfortunate event in their lives, sometimes brought on by their actions. Sometimes I have to get to act to protect myself or protect somebody else, but God tells us that vengeance is his, not ours. Mm. So that keeps me from crossing any lines. Okay. Mm. That's good. I Yeah. Um, you know, talking about your job in particular, uh, for a lot of our listeners, it, it's no secret that if you've watched the news or paid any attention to what's happening in our culture over these last couple of years, uh, there is a wide variety right now uh, of perspectives on law enforcement, their place in society, their role in some of these larger conversations on race, on justice, um, in operating well within a community. So how do you John, develop a trust as a law enforcement officer, uh, given what's going on in our culture, in our context, in the news, all these hot topic debates, but within your community in particular? Aside from everything going on in the media and, and how we're portrayed, I try to approach each call with a servant's heart, and I try to make sure that all of my officers do the same. We don't just deal with the problem at hand. Even though we only have a temporary, we're a temporary band-aid, we try to see what makes a person whole again. What can we do for them? Mm-hmm. Uh, can we get them uh, some type of social service? Um, I often catch my officers in the community giving words of encouragement, and that makes me smile. Mm-hmm. Um, they sometimes pay for groceries or uh, buy a homeless person a meal, and that gives me hope. Wow. Um, we have such a good relationship with the community that we're bombarded by cars, kids, families. They send treats, goodies. We have a table in the lunchroom that's most of the time has something on there, um, which is very, um, very exciting mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes. That's Pizzas. Sweet. Yeah. Um, we're constantly developing relationships with the community through uh, special events, uh, meeting with them, charity events, and uh as Sir Robert Peel, all the law enforcement officers are going to want to hear this, <laughs> founder of Modern Policing, stated that the, the public are the police and the police are the public. Hmm. P- 
police being only members of the public are paid to give full-time attention to duties which are incumbent on every citizen and in the interest of their community, welfare, and existence. I strongly suggest that people sign up for their local um, police department, Citizen Police Academy. That way they can get to experience what exactly a police officer is doing in their specific community. Okay, say that again. You strongly suggest people sign up for what was it called? It's called a Citizens Police Academy. Okay. And uh, most law enforcement agencies have that. And it's usually you meet once a week in the evening for about six weeks. And every week is a different topic and you get to go hands-on and do what law enforcement is doing in your community. Wow. Hmm. Wow, that's incredible. So carrying on this topic of instilling, cultivating trust within your community, you know, your, um, your work as a law enforcement officer actually includes now training younger police officers that are newer, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, when you oversee younger officers who have a, a lot of really tough firsts on the job, I can imagine, right? The first time they arrest someone, the first time that they have to defend themselves, the first time that they're issuing a ticket, the first time that they're having to sit down at the desk and do paperwork. How does your faith influence the way that you come alongside of them and support them, encourage them, and counsel them? You, your job in particular, your, your resume, it was striking to me so much because you bear the weight of a dual nature. You, you are helping these young officers on the job to help train and equip them, but you're, you also have a community that you have promise to protect and to serve so how how do you bear the weight of both those things and encourage and and defend and influence the community and the younger officers so i have the benefit of having directly influenced a lot of the department having been in charge of their field training program so uh the job's very difficult it takes a huge toll emotionally um, it can break officers and lead them down the wrong path. So I let these officers know that I'm there for them. And when they're on certain calls, I monitor, okay, this, the call is going well. How are they doing? How are they doing after the call? Um, when I talk to them, I give them some examples of calls that I've been on and how I've dealt with it, how it affected me, and then how I got through it. Mm. Um, if you've ever seen a video of the watermelon getting the rubber bands put around it, and it eventually explodes. That's what I tell them, that every time they're at a traumatic event, it leaves a mark on it and puts another rubber band on them. And if they leave it like that, they'll eventually explode. So every time they talk about it, um, they need to take a rubber band off, another rubber band off. Um, every new officer receives a law enforcement Bible from me mm. that's on my desk if anybody ever needs one. And I let them know that if they need something prayed for, to let me know, and we'll work through that. You do that with every officer? Yes. Wow. Um, and that goes over fine? Yes. Yeah. I I don't get too into it because I don't want them to think that I'm being pushy, but to let them know that that option is there. Yeah. Um, and so even within your context, you're, you're finding opportunities where you're able to give them a Bible as a way to help navigate just yes. the stress and all the things that they're dealing with. Yes. And that's, that's really good. one thing that law enforcement's gotten a lot better at lately is uh, emotional needs of the officers with EAP, the Employee Assistance Program, peer support programs. Uh, we have one where it's called We Never Walk Alone. So they can call and talk about that 
what they're going through with those people. Wow. Well, and and so you know, you talk about um, you talk about the watermelon thing, and my, my son for a school project did that with a friend, and it was one band after another after another until finally the thing explodes. Um, so obviously, finding a way to 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 navigate stress, navigate struggle, um, be in situations that you can't change so much as well. What is your what's your mindset? What's your thought life as you're going through some of those things? So as a as a pastor, um, there have been probably more times than I would like to to remember where I've sat with someone who's who's in the midst of some really difficult situations, in the midst of things that that they struggle with, they they wrestle with. Um, and I, I remember uh, oftentimes sort of some go-to scriptures for me uh, in helping people go through some scary times have been Psalm 23, which is, it's familiar, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. I'm paraphrasing now, obviously, but yeah. it doesn't matter what I'm going through. I won't be afraid. Uh, Psalm 46, the Lord is my rock, he's my refuge, I won't be afraid. So I've shared those with people going through difficult times, but for you, um, in your line of work, what difference has God's presence made to you when you've found yourself in scary situations? And, and can, you give, can you give an example, uh, you know, appropriate for us to hear, but can you give an example of how you've seen God's presence make a difference when you're in the middle of something scary or, 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 or threatening? So intense situations, scary situations. I remember that God has given us a spirit of, of, uh, of strength, not fear. And, of course, Psalm 23 is on a lot of law enforcement T-shirts. It's in, uh, blazing in my brain that though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Mm-hmm. That's right there when I go into these situations. An example of this when I was a newer officer is I was called at 2 o'clock in the morning to assist the fire department with just a simple nosebleed. So I'm driving there, turn on the street, and all of a sudden there's a woman pounding on my window screaming. I get out of the car, there's another woman screaming in the front lawn, and I'm like, this is not just a nosebleed. I go inside, go up the stairs, and there's this uh, gentleman on the bed, and it was not just a regular nosebleed. There was so much blood that I couldn't see where his body met the bed. Mm. Um, I reached over him to see what exactly what was going on, and then he breathed into the side of my face when I didn't think it was possible anybody could be alive with this. Um, he was transported, and then at the hospital, an entire intoxicated family showed up from a family gathering, uh, decided to blame the whole thing on me, and then they wanted to get physical with me. So, um, no. With that whole situation, it uh, I had nightmares for a few months. Hmm. You know, waking up with that guy breathing in the side of my face, and I want you would think it was not possible. So I had to rely on my faith in God to get me through that. And that's one of the examples that I give the younger officers, of course, with a lot more of the graphic detail. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, the idea of God's uh, presence with you and for you as you navigate those situations, I, I think, is is a hugely personal uh, dynamic. Um, but if if you step back and think about uh, even even your role as you go into some of these situations. So so it's like God God 
ministering to you in the midst of what you're going through. But then also for this next question, um, stepping back a little and and as a first responder, uh, even that story you shared is a, is a great example of being someone who is first to move toward rescuing someone in danger. You go into those places where uh, maybe no one else wants to go, or or you, by the nature of your position, you move into those situations where someone is in danger. Um, has that given you a more personal perspective of God and the way He moves toward us by sending Jesus to rescue us? I mean, it's that it's that representation of the gospel in a lot of ways where. Obviously, you're not Jesus. You're not. You're not the Messiah. Um, but, but do you ever sort of have Jesus as that per first example of a God who moves towards us to rescue? And do you ever step back and say, "Man, how does my role? How does my role personify that? Represent that? What? Because obviously, someone who doesn't have faith in Christ." probably just deals with what's in front of them at a very face value level. But but you knowing that that Jesus as Savior narrative, how does it affect uh, your, your view of what you do? The way I view it is that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, and Jesus taught us how we should act toward others, and that's with love. So I feel like I need to model this behavior when I'm on calls and around people and show compassion toward them. Um, an example is I was out at a call where a car had been pulled over. It was suspected on a lot of different things, but it was surrounded by police officers. Uh, they were asking him to please get out of the vehicle. He was driving while license suspended. He was wanted. We'll call him Mike. Um, the neighboring town's canine was there. Uh, they were scratching. The, car, the dog was scratching at the window. They were telling me to come out. Uh, eventually, time went on. We gave people quite a bit of time to come to the right conclusion but the windows were going to be smashed and he was going to get dragged out and i felt like this was my time to step in um the officer stepped back and was like hey mike what's going on today what you're having a bad day what's what's your concerns so he told me that he had groceries in the back he was going to be hosting a barbecue in a couple hours and uh he was worried about the groceries and the barbecue so i said mike Here's what we'll do. Your mom just pulled into the parking lot next to us. I'll, we'll help her load the groceries in her car, um, bring you to the station. These officers will process you, process you real quick, and you'll be back home for your barbecue in a couple hours. The door unlocks. He steps out, puts his hands behind his back, and um, another crisis averted. Mm -hmm. um, just a few days ago, we had a, uh, a family following their mom having a mental crisis down the road. Um, they were worried she was going to hurt herself. She jumped out of a second-story window. And uh, after we finally talked her into the ambulance to go get help, um, I offered to pray with the family. Mm. And uh, they, you know, they could take it one way and call in and complain about that, but they were very grateful. Uh, they asked for my name, and I pointed them in the right direction. Of uh, NAMI is a very good mental crisis um, organization throughout the country. So point them in that direction. Man, that's amazing the way that you can extend Jesus's love um, toward people in a time of dire circumstances or even maybe when they don't deserve it in that moment. There's still grace and love to extend um, in really traumatic situations. Uh, 
John, you have been a former SWAT operator, a DARE officer, a DUI officer, a gang officer, a negotiator, an undercover task force officer, a detective, and the list still goes on and on, which is so impressive. Um, But it also means just like the stories that you have told right now that you've seen some really horrible tragedies, human beings literally at their worst. Have you, as a Christ follower, ever lost hope? And if so, how does your faith help combat the hard parts of those jobs that you were just even saying, like going in and re- help rescuing people and then getting accused of being the, the one to be at fault? Um, how do you not get numbed or depressed? <laughs> we're constantly the scapegoat for a lot of things. Uh, we should be scrutinized rightfully so because of the power that law enforcement has Mm. but as a part of the criminal justice in quotes um field we're sometimes described as being another cog in the wheel another spoke along with state's attorneys defense attorneys judges uh coroners corrections probation etc but we're out there at the crime scenes at people's worst i describe us as the tire around the wheel where the rubber meets the road because we're actually in the muck and the dirt uh, where the human condition because of the fall has given us a seat front seat to all of life's problems Mm. all of life's failures we have a tool belt just like construction workers do and sometimes we have to use the tools on that belt and it's never pretty and the media when they cut in on where we're at in the continuum of using that those tools from that belt that uh, portrays us one way or another. Um, when we have to take somebody into custody, they want to refuse or want to fight. That's not never pretty seen. Um, I don't get down and discouraged because I know that most of society does support us. Mm. Um, we're part of a noble profession um, ordained by God, just like in Romans 13. All right, so that's good. So you don't um, get too down and out or depressed. Your faith actually helps you maintain a good perspective because you are aware of sin in the world and its effects on human beings, if if that's, quote-unquote, kind of what you just answered there. Yes, it's good and evil is out there, and there's no question in the field that I'm in that it is real. It's a battle. Hmm. That's good. Uh, maybe maybe not all of our listeners are going to be able to relate to being able to put their lives on the line like you do every single day, John. Um, but what our listeners can relate to is stressors or worries, whether they're retired or a stay-at-home mom or just earning a paycheck in whatever job in, in one way or the other. So what what different things do you do, John, to not bring those stressors home? Or how do you de-stress um, after a, a busy day at work? So back to those rubber bands. I usually take a lot of those off all at once uh, by praying and having faith in God. I find peace in knowing the end of the story. Putting my faith in God, knowing that Jesus, led by example, died on the cross for my sins, was resurrected, and is waiting for, to bring us to him. Putting my worries, fears, and troubles on him, as in Matthew 11, reads, Come to me, all your weary and burden, and I'll give you rest. Mm. Um, I give a lot of credit to my wife and kids for their support. Um, my wife and I have put a lot of work into making the transition from home to work pleasant. Um, 
she doesn't start asking questions right away. I get to decompress and then we start talking about uh, what's on my mind, what happened. I usually listen to music and uh, decompressed on the way home. So that helps. Um, there's a lot of books and courses out there for law enforcement officers and their families to learn the ups and downs. It's a roller coaster ride emotionally um, because we are people. Uh, we, we're not robots. We're not machines. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to de-stress on the week, I, I like to go RVing as a family. We go RVing, boating. Uh, I like to build things, chainsaw. Rrr, nice there you go. <laughs> I like to shoot and blow things up. Okay. Not around here. Okay. <laughs> Out of I'm state. Gonna, I'm, I'm going to try to curb the blowing things up a little okay. bit. By, I'm going to start playing sure. instruments again. I play there violin, viola, cello, bass, uh, electric bass, stand-up bass. So. Really? Wow. That's awesome. You'll be seeing John on the worship team in Huntley. I know. <laughs> coming coming soon. No, that's so good, though. You So you actually talk through, you, so you, hearing you say your spiritual rhythms, prayer, listening to music, having conversations with your wife, understanding your resources to help you de-stress, and then having fun. Yeah. Like, and and does your does you, because of your job, do you feel like as a family, as a couple, you are more aware of the value of those rhythms like you talk about when i come home this is how this is how we handle my re-entry into the home i mean because a lot of a lot of couples or a lot of people don't understand the value of rhythm because maybe they take for granted the things that may or may not stick to them from their day so do you feel like because of your role you've had to be extra intentional in what what keeps us healthy Absolutely. It doesn't just happen. We have to be intentional about it. Or the the divorce rates are so high with law enforcement, uh, suicides, because officers don't understand what's happening inside of them, what's going on. How how do I release all of this? Am I not, you know, the protector anymore when I have to show my emotions? Hmm. So to let that out is very beneficial. Yeah. Can I um, can I ask? Uh, I guess a churchy question. Um, so so being as you're involved with the Huntley campus, you you mentioned how you started by watching online and then you were looking for a church. Um, one, one of my favorite things that we do, uh, I, I guess, sort of, I guess at a surfacey level on a on a weekend is we will we will ask people to turn and greet those around them. And, and in some ways, uh, it can be nerve-wracking for someone who's new. It can be a breath of fresh air for someone who's been alone. Um, but I, I also feel like at times, we don't know who we're saying hi to. We don't know who we're greeting. We have no idea what's behind the curtain. And so, you know, as you've shared, there's this sense of when, when you greet John on a, on a Sunday, uh, what's, what's going on? We're, and how many other people are there in our campus who who deal with that? So I, I guess my question for you is: um, What difference does staying engaged and connected uh, within a local church family within Christ Community? What what difference does that connection make for you? Well, it uh, keeps me connected because I get to see other people that are worshiping. God around me, and there are a lot of activities within the church that I can be involved with, um, construction, possibly playing music in the future. 
Um, we have a construction project tomorrow with the guys uh, hanging that nice shelf in the lobby. Nice. So I'm looking forward to busting on my table of salt, bringing it over there and doing that. Um, there's a connection. It's family. You're, you're brought in. It's it's a place where, where a sinner like me can go worship. It's not a country club for the righteous. Mm. So it's it's very beautiful and welcoming, and we feel home like we're at home there. Yeah. That's good. And, and I would say um, even in your willingness to be transparent with us, and I think in terms of the pressure, the mental health, the – uh, the confidence, the security, all, all the things as I think a, all, all of the guests really have been is a, an amount of transparency to say, here's, here's where my faith shows up. But um, I, I know that when you come in and I see your wife or I see your kids, um, there's such a value in even how we as a church support everyone who comes through because you just never know. You, you never know what what led up to that time when they walk through the doors. And so the, the fact that you uh, trust us uh, to, be, to be a part of our, our campus, it, it matters a lot. So, so John, I mean, I, I want to thank you for being with us uh, today. Um, how or, or where, what's the best way to connect with you? To get a hold of you, Pastor Don Hay at Christ Community Church, Hunt Campus. Thank you. I like that answer. Thank you. Thank you for that. Back three time password is. <laughs> hey, you know, we've had, we've had a, uh interview um of every single campus represented now we yeah. saved the should best I say, for i mean you could it's the last. best for last we use that term loosely but <laughs> thank oh, you yes john it was an honor and a privilege thank you uh not only just for talking with us today but um of the work that you do within our communities to keep us safe Um, All right, guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Faith at Work. Our conversations happen every other week. So in two weeks, you can expect another interview to help you think critically about faith and work intersecting in creative and inspiring ways. Because as we say every time, every job matters. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your suggestions, questions, or ideas to workpodcast at ccclife.org. And lastly, tell your friends that their job matters too and invite them to join along in the conversation. We'll talk to you soon.